0: Listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. If if you're like me, how many of you have, have just been going through like a rough season? Like don't don't be bashful. You can raise your hand. Some of you, I can see you didn't raise your hand. Praise the Lord. That's fine. But if you're like me, I, it feels like I don't know. It, it, as as we talk during the week, the the David and Amanda and I the staff we talk, it just feels like there's a heaviness over Doxa. It feels like there's a there's a spiritual warfare going on on it Doxa, and sometimes I feel like there's there's a lot of us that are in this like. They're dug in deep. We got our heads down. Like, it's just like, it's just, ugh, right? Like, I mean, we're, we're in a season of life in our family where it seems like we can't catch any type of little break at all. Um, just to give you a little bit of a, of, of a of just kind of like the last two weeks in our life. Like, we were supposed to be at Disney two weeks ago. And that is the most magical place on earth. Amen? Amen? Some of y'all don't really like Disney. Okay, my bad. I'll, I'll reverse that and maybe we'll talk about something else. I love Disney, okay? I'm just sorry. I love it, okay? The Star Wars, they got, you know, Marvel, the, all the stuff that they bought that now that I love that now I get to go. With. But I love Disney for one reason. I love to eat, okay? I don't know if you can tell that, but I love to eat. Well, it's it's crazy because... This past week, we didn't get to go. Our trip got canceled. Whatever happened, it's crazy anyway. It's been a whole big mess, but it didn't happen, so we didn't get to go. So we're all bummed out about that. And we were trying to make do during the week, you know, trying to, trying to figure out what we we're going to do. We got Disney gift cards. We don't know where to spend them. You know, if, y'all wanna, if anybody wants to buy a Disney gift card, if you're going on a trip or whatever, we got some for you. So I'm just so come see me after the service. Um, <laughs> but we were trying to make things happen and And so my my in-laws they were all camping this past weekend, so we went up there and we hung out with them for a few weeks and and then and then I got sick and and luckily, I was with my my sister in law who's a nurse, and we found out like on like friday of, of week before last excuse me, I should have been in the hospital like i'm a I was a walking zombie i my my sugar had went up to almost five hundred and you know, we we were supposed to be in Disney where I was gonna be eating really, really good. Thank God we didn't go to Disney or I probably would have been dead, you know. But like that week was kinda of like shot and I'm like, God, really? Like you're gonna drop this on something that like we were already trying to make do and this happens and then and then I go to the doctor and it's like, oh yeah, you've got diabetes, you're type two. You know, you're gonna to have to you're gonna to have to Stick yourself with a needle. Okay, I hate needles, right? God's got a sense of humor. He's got to because, I mean, like sitting He's the doctor's like, you're going to have to stick yourself once a day for the next, some, you know, and I was like, doc, we got to do this a different way. And he's like, there's no different way. He goes, either you do it or you die. And I'm like, you know, Wednesday morning, I'm sitting there going, <laughs> I do it or die, I do it or die, I do it or die, you know, kind of a thing. That's how I was telling myself. But it's just like things in our, in our life, we, we had some other issues with, with Bradley this week. It's just been crazy. And it just feels like we can't catch a break. And the more I talk to people, the more it, it seems like th- that's happening too. I, I told you about it last, last week. Um, I, I can laugh about my situation just because it's my situation, but I told you about a friend of mine last week. They're having a funeral today down in Woodruff to bury a, a wife and a mother and, and his daughter th- this, this afternoon. Like, people are going through it, okay? Okay. And I can sit here and talk about what I'm going through, but like I know there's people that have got it so much worse than I do. But we all have gotten this, it seems like, I feel like we're in this funk. Like, God, like, we want you to hurry up and come back. Like, that's the, that's the thing. Is like, I know in heaven this is all going to go away, and I want you to come back. We need you to come back. But as, I was, as I've been praying about this and I've been you know, thinking about this, this message, God has been shaping it and moving it and doing all this kind of stuff. He keeps bringing me to this word. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 4, verse 31 is where we're going to be. This is going to be a weird message. I'm going to bounce all over the place. It's really going to be like a survey. We're going to start in chapter 4. We're going to end in chapter 14, but we're, we'll get there. Y'all can follow along. But he's kept, he keeps giving me this, this, this word. Because these two passages sort of bookend this time in in the Israelites' life. And and it really resonated with me when I was reading it and studying it. But he's given me this one word. It's perspective. You see, perspective is is the way we look at things. Having perspective is the, the angle or direction in which a person looks at an object. It's your point of view. You see... How was the Israelites' perspective, when when we're going to get ready to dive into their story, how did their perspective shape their view of God? How did it shape their view of God's perfect plan? Because, see, we've we've got an advantage over the Israelites that were going through the Exodus. We get to read about it, right? We get to see it play out firsthand. We know the ending. We know the outcome, right? So our perspective looking down on it is completely different than their perspective when they were in it. And so that's what I want to look at this morning. So, so again, perspective is, is, is an angle or direction in which a person looks at an object. And the object that I want us to see this morning is our story. We all live and we all tell a story. Every single one of us. You see, David was just talking about it when he was talking about Restore a little while ago. It's, it's amazing to see. We, we all, if we, if we were able to get up here this morning and, and share testimonies, I'm not going to do it because it would, you know, y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all don't want to do that, right? Because we'd be here forever. Some of y'all like to talk like me, but it's my turn, so I'm talking. Um, but we all tell, we all have a story. And it's amazing to see, like in, in life group, I love I love life group. And when we, when we break off and, the, and the, the guys go one way, the girls go. But it seems like when we break off, we have this time where we get to tell our story, what's going on in our life. And, and not every, t- every story is good. Like every story, like I'm, I'm sitting there some, some Wednesday nights going, I'm glad that's not my story. You know, and I'm sure there's some guys looking at me going, I'm glad that's not my story. But we all tell a story. We're all living a story. See, I'm a, I'm a visual person, and this is the way, this is the way I look at it, okay? I love, I'm a visual learner, but I love movies, okay? And I'm the kind of person who, this is just the way I see that. When I hear that I'm living a story, God's big story, all this, it's like I'm, I'm living a movie, like I'm, living, like I'm being filmed, okay? And, and it, you know, sometimes it gets a little annoying because I take it too literal sometimes because I feel like I'm like on the office sometimes. I feel like I'm gym and I'm looking at a camera going... You know, like that. Sometimes you, like Stacy will be in an argument or whatever, and she looks over at me, and I'm looking over at a wall going, you know, like that. But anyway, it's just the way I think, okay? My brain is warped, okay? Amen? Y'all can go ahead and say it. Y'all, y'all, some of y'all know me enough to know that this is going to be an interesting message because Lee's up here. Okay. But we all have a story. OK, we all have a story and, and our perspective and the way we look at our story, the way we see where we are in our story, the way we look back and see where we've been in our story and where we're going in our story shapes everything about who we say God is. And see, the Israelites were no different. So, again, if you got a Bible, uh, we're, you, you're there in verse four. I'm going to start in verse two, and we'll get there. Okay, I'll catch up to you. But we're going to look at the Israelites' perspective. So, so in verse, in, 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 let's just let's just go back before I dive into the scripture. I want to kind of set the scene here. If you started at the end of Genesis, it says that that Joseph. He had been, you know, you know the story of Joseph, and he was down in the, in the, in the well or the thing, and then he gets sold to Egypt, he's a slave. And next thing you know, he's second in command, and his brothers come, and they're like, we're hungry because there's a famine. And, and they're like, wait a minute, you know, that's Joseph. And, and anyway, the Israelites are given favor uh, because of all this, because of Joseph. But at the end of Genesis, we see that Joseph has died. But the Israelites are still in Egypt. And so here in, 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 the, in the Exodus, they're in Egypt and, and they're being fruitful and they're multiplying and everything's going great. And the Israelites, the nation is growing. But we get this Pharaoh who looks at it and he's like, wait a minute, they're growing faster than we are. They're, they're growing in number and I'm, I'm kind of scared that they're going to take over. So we got to do something about this. So he does something about it by telling his, the midwives to kill every male child and, and it gets to be some kind of crazy thing and it's going nuts and, and then he puts the Israelites into slavery and into bondage. So here they are. Now their story goes from, from favor and, and man, we're, we're living it up good here in Egypt to wait a minute, now we're slaves. And, and they've been living this for years and years and years. And, and in chapter 2 of Exodus, it says this in 2 verse 23, He says, During many days... Think about that for a moment. God considered. It means He heard them. God hears. Amen? Aren't we thankful that God hears us this morning? He heard the prayers of the Israelites, and He can hear our prayers this morning. You see, they were, they were in slavery. They were in bondage. They were groaning. They were tired of it. And they finally said, God, we, I want You to save me. I want You to deliver me from this, this bondage, this slavery, this thing that I'm going through, God, deliver me, take it away from me. And God heard them. Because the Bible says God heard them, and I believe the Bible is true. And God heard their groanings. God heard, God God could tell their, their hurt. God could feel their pain. God knew what they were going through, and he heard them. So what did God do next? Like what we want to happen after God hears us is probably the same thing the Israelites did, right? If they're looking at their story and their perspective, they're like, okay, God, you heard me. Now save me, right? We all want swift deliverance and salvation. Amen? I mean, that's something that we all want. We all want to say, God, look at what I'm going through. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to have to do this anymore. God, save me. And you're expecting God, okay, I know God hears my prayers. So God, where are you? Like, I need a miracle right now. Like, I don't want to go through it anymore. I need a miracle. See, that's not the way it works. That's not the way the Bible tells us it works. God heard the Israelites, and we know he heard the Israelites because God spoke to Moses, and he spoke to Aaron, and they went back and told the Israelites in chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 29, 28, excuse me. It says, And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had Sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. The Israelites had a reason to worship, right? Come on, you got to talk back to me, right? Yes. Amen. Amen. They had a reason to worship. Why? Because that God had given them, like he had come down and he said, hey, I heard you. He sent Moses and Aaron to go tell them, hey, I heard you. And so they got a reason to worship. And so here they all worshiping because they understood that when God heard them, that means he's going to do something. He's going to do something about their situation. And see, we, we understand they had a reason to worship because in, in chapter 3, verse 16, it says, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, this is what God told them. Okay? This is what God told them. This is the reason they, they had to worship. God's speaking this to, to Aaron and Moses. He says, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So not only has God heard them, He has considered what's going on with him. He knows what's happening. He has told them. He goes, I have seen what's going on with you. Verse 17. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. God promised to deliver his people. God heard his people, and then God said, now I'm going to get you out of there. I promise. He said, I'm going to deliver you. Can you imagine being there? In that moment, When the elders come back to the people uh, of the Israelites and they're saying, Hey, guess what? God heard our groanings, God heard our cries, and God has told Moses and Aaron, they came and they spoke to us and they said, This is what God said to them He is going to deliver us. Can you imagine the worship? I mean, listen, we just worshiped a minute ago talking about exactly, I mean, singing about exactly what's happening right now in the scripture. We were worshiping. I mean, it was just, uh, I don't know if you were like me, but like I was just, I was worshiping hard, man, because I love that song, okay? And I was like, man, I'm so glad they played this right before I got ready to preach because I needed something, ready to go punch the devil in the gut. Um, But, I mean, they can you imagine how they worshiped when they heard that? when they heard that God had heard their cries and said, I promise I will deliver you. Think about the next morning when they woke up and they had to go back to work. And they had to go back to being slaves again. You wonder if they were all looking around going, okay, what's God going to do? When's it going to happen? Imagine day after day after day that happens and you're looking around going, God, what are you going to... God, he said, promise he's going to deliver us. Where's it? I mean, it's got to come sometime, right? But then we tell, we hear, excuse me, in chapter five, as we keep going through the story, when Moses and Aaron told Pharaoh, they went to Pharaoh and they said, Look, you got to let them go. You got to let our people go. You got to let them go and and, and go sacrifice out in the wilderness. And what did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh made their job harder. And the amazing thing is, if you read through the Exodus, you'll notice this one little phrase. It said, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. What in the world is going on? God, you promised to deliver these people. God, you said you were going to get them out of bondage. You were going to deliver them from Egypt. Your word says it, but then you turn around and it says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And so in chapter 6, we, we, we read this in verse 6. It says, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver up from, up from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of Egypt.'" of the Egyptians, excuse me, and I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham to Isaac and Jacob. I will give to you a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke this to the people of Israel. Okay, he's going back to speak to Israel because, because Pharaoh's made it hard for him, okay? And Moses spoke this to the people of Israel because they didn't listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and the harsh slavery. You see, God told him, this is part of my perfect plan. I know you're sitting there for a minute. You probably, I mean, you're like me. And when I read this, I'm like going, wait a minute, what? God, you heard their cries. You said you were going to deliver them. You promised you were going to deliver them. And then you hardened Pharaoh's heart and made the work harder on them. Like, God, you could have got them out of there, right? Like, we know that. God could have swooped down in a cloud and just like, whoop, took them all up and like took them out of Egypt, right? He could have done that. But no, he made the work, the work got hard for them. And they, and and, and look what it says there. Look what it says there, chapter 6, verse 9. Look what it says there. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they didn't listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. You see, day after day after day, they had to go back out there and they're making bricks, and it's harder than it was before. And now they're starting to doubt, right? Now they're starting to doubt why in the world did we even cry out to God? Why in the world did we even speak God's name? Why did we even even ask Him to deliver us? Because look what's happened. He's made the work harder. You see, where was their perspective? Their perspective was on their story. Their perspective was on what was going on there. And I can't blame them, right? Right? I mean, you, we, we, we could probably take a survey of this room. We would probably do the same thing, right? If that was us and we had prayed for God to deliver us and God said, yes, I'll deliver you, and then the work got harder, I'd be, I'd be a little bitter too, right? But we see over the next few chapters what God was, was doing. And we see the, the ten plagues. And see, the ten plagues, we, we look at that, we're like going, okay, like what, okay, this is a strange turn in the story. Let's, let's, okay, let's check this out. Moses and Aaron keep going to Pharaoh. Look, you've got to let my people go. And it says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he kept saying no. And God told Moses and Aaron, all right, go tell them, I'm going I'm to put some plagues on. I'm going I'm to make him wish he'd let them go. I'm gonna make him wish that he would have, he would have just said, get out of my sight, get out of here. And so, so over the course of of what some scholars think is a year, some think it's a year and a half, some think it was stretched out to be 10 years. It's it's all over the board. But over the course of, of a period of time, God sent these plagues to Egypt. Or to Egypt, yes. And see, the reason is like again, we can sit back on this side and we can see this was all part of God's plan. Because what God was trying to do here is, is if you understand a little bit of Egyptology, which I tried to study a little bit of it, is that Pharaoh was in charge of control. He was in charge of what the Egyptians called ma'at. And what that is, is he was in charge of making sure that all the gods were happy and making sure that control, that that, that everything flowed the right way. He was in charge of order. Ma'at just means order. And he was in charge of the order of things and keeping things flowing right. And what God did was God kept sending these plagues and he's not doing it just because Egypt's bad people and Pharaoh won't let the Israelites go. God's doing this because he's wanting to show Egypt and the whole world, I'm bigger than your puny Egyptian gods. I'm bigger than those idols that you worship. And so 10 plagues, water turned into blood, that, that was directly against uh, three Egyptian gods, Num, Hopi, and Osiris. He did frogs. That's Hepi and heck. Okay, so I might be deliberately butchering these names. I mean, eventually, I'm just going to stop saying them. You can look it up. But... Like these were gods where the frog actually talked about fertility. So I mean, he's sending all these frogs and it's like so many frogs, like it stank, it was nasty, and then they're all dying. I mean, can you just imagine that? I mean, just frogs everywhere. Like ugh. anyway. And then the third plague was gnats, and that was against the earth god. And then there was flies. They were like biting, like biting flies, and that was against the fly god. And listen, I'm sorry if you're worshiping a religion that has a fly god, you need to be worshiping another religion. Okay, I'm just saying that. <laughs> Then it's plague five. There's disease on cattle and a group of Egyptian gods. There's a whole group of them that were associated with bulls and cows that had, you know, heads of bulls and, and, the, and the body of a human. It, it, that was that was a direct knock on them. Then boils on the skin. It was aimed at the goddess of epidemics and the God of healing. Like, like God is just just barrage of one thing after another. And he again, he's not doing this to hurt the Egyptian people as much as he's trying to show them that I am God. I am Yahweh over all gods. I am the God of gods. I'm the king of kings and lord of lords. That's what he's trying to show them. Then the seventh was hail. And that was against the, the sky goddess and agricultural gods because it decimated all the, 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 the crops. Then the locusts came. Um, and that's against... The, I'm just, it was the protector of the god of locusts. Again, if you've got a religion where you've got a protector of a locust. Get out. Um, <laughs> come on. And then nine was darkness. And there was a whole group of Egyptian sun gods that this was, just, I mean, getting it in their face. And so all these plagues going straight through to the tenth one, which was the death of the firstborn, which ironically is exactly what the Pharaoh did to the Israelites to try to keep them in check. And God says, I'm going to send a death angel and I'm going to take out the firstborn of everything. And that was against Egypt, all of Egypt's gods. That was to say that I'm just going gonna, gonna to come in and, and, and take you out completely and show you that I'm God. And the amazing thing about Plague 10 is how he showed that the Egyptians the way he meant business, how he showed the rest of the world that he meant business was he told the Israelites, he's like, go, sacrifice a spotless lamb and take the blood and put it on your doorpost. And when the death angel comes, he's going to pass over you and you will be saved. Now, again, think about this from the Israelites' perspective. They had to deal. They didn't have to deal with every single one of these plagues, but the first three of the plagues they had to deal with. And then it tells us in Exodus that the rest of them, that it was only targeted to the Egyptians. But they have to sit there and watch this. And they're still in slavery and they're still in bondage and and they still are wondering, okay, God, what are you doing? We see you doing all these things to the Egyptians, but what are you doing for us? Like, God, you could have taken us out of this, right? You could have gotten us out of here. And then Moses and Aaron come to you and they're like, hey, this is what you got to do. You got to sacrifice a spotless lamb. We're going to put some blood on your doorpost. If you're in their perspective, you're like, what? What is going on, God? We just asked you to take us out of Egypt. And now we're smearing blood on doorposts? What is going on? And imagine for a moment that morning they wake up and the wailing and the crying and the horror of the Egyptians as they wake up to their firstborn being dead. And realizing in that moment that they have been saved and they have been delivered because of what God did on that Passover. So you can imagine at this point, the Egyptians were ready to get them out of there, right? I mean, if you're the Egyptians, you're like, look, Hey, I mean, I'd be going to Pharaoh, going, I don't care what Moses and Aaron, look, get them out of here, okay? We know that's because of them that this is happening. We want you to get them out. Get these people out of here. So in chapter 12, the Egyptians, in chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 33, it says this He said, The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was eleven, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold, jewelry and for clothing. I mean, they're plundering them as they're, as they're telling them to leave. And so that they gave them what they asked, thus they plundered the Egyptians, verse 37. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children, a mixed multitude also went up with them and a very much... Livestock, both flocks and herds, and they baked eleven cakes of dough that they had brought out of Egypt. For it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Again, perspective of the Israelites. You're now being told to leave. Okay. Now I know some of you, like I know, I know a couple of you in here are in the process of moving. Okay, and we did it back in December. I don't wish that on anybody in my life, okay? Lord, help us. We had a four-room mill house. I didn't think that we could have that much stuff, <laughs> okay? But, I mean, think about that for a minute. You've got just a little bit of time to pack up whatever you can get, your whole household, your flocks, your herds, everything, and get on the road. Like, there is no Uber that's coming to pick you up. Understand how hard this is, okay? This is not just jump in a minivan and we're going to go cross country. No, this is grab everything we have, put it on the back of a donkey, a camel, whatever we got, and let's get out of here. Livestock, hundreds and hundreds of livestock. I mean, look at the number it said. It said 600,000 men. That's not women and children either. So we're talking well over a million people are having to, to get out of Egypt. So now, again, Israelites' perspective, this just gets harder. Yes, we're on the move, but my gosh, God, you could have done this. Like, you can send swarms of flies and gnats, and you can turn water into blood. You can at least send us something that's going to carry us out of here, right? No. For almost 30 days and over 300 miles, they trekked down to the Red Sea. Imagine, again, how hard this is. Like, God, you said you were going to deliver us. I know we're moving that way, but this is still really hard. Okay? <laughs> Notice what he hasn't done. He hasn't made this easy on the Israelites. God has just been like, hey, look, it's going to happen. I promise you I deliver you. It's going to happen. Just have faith. Can you imagine if you were in the Israelites' position and somebody come up to you and said, ah, you'll be fine. Just Have faith. Isn't that the same thing you want to do to some people when they come up to you and they're like, pat you on the back and go, I'm praying for you. Just have faith. You have no idea what I'm going through. You have no idea how much this hurts. You have no idea how much stress is on me. You have no idea what is happening. Like you have no idea and you're going to look at me and go, hey, you'll be okay. Have faith. I just want to punch those people right square in the mouth. But thankfully, Jesus will not let me do it, okay? But can you imagine, again, you're, I mean, we're, we're looking at their perspective, where the Israelites were. This is, this is where they were. They're just, they're just ready to get out. It's just, ah, it's got to be hard. And then they get to the Red Sea. I mean, again, what do you think they're thinking? Really, God? Like, there's over a million of us. There's cattle. There's all our stuff. And all we see is water. There is no, like, Jesus cruise ship. Like, the D.C. talk cruise did not pull up at the Red Sea, okay? Some of y'all got that and laughed. Yes, yeah, so y'all know. You know what I'm talking about. Like, this is, there is no, like, easy way to get across, right? And not to mention, hey, we're going to turn around. Oh, what do we see behind us? It's dust. From what? The chariots of the Egyptians who are coming after us. Now we are dead, Thanks, Moses. We appreciate this. We've been through all this. Come on, God. What is up? And in Exodus 14, verse 10. If you haven't, if you haven't been following along, and I'm jumping all over the place. But turn to Exodus 14. Turn to Exodus 14. In verse 10, here's, here's the Israelites. This is, the, this is what they say. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, it is because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? It is, is not this what we said to you in Egypt. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Think about it for a second. What, what did they just tell Moses? We would rather be back where we were in slavery. Like it was so much better there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Israelites. Hold on. I'm looking at your story and I'm going, you just, you cried out to God to save you. And God promised He would save you. Yet you're standing here now going, Moses, take us back. We would rather be over there back in Egypt. We would rather be doing, making bricks by hand. I don't care what God has for me. I'd rather be back over there wallowing in my own guilt and shame and sin. I don't care. Can you imagine? I mean, just for a minute in, in our lives. This is God's perfect plan, y'all. Okay, this is God's perfect plan. And for some of us, we're looking at it, looking in our situation, sitting where we are and going, God, I didn't ask for this. I don't want this. Just take me back to where I was. Like, at least I was comfortable in it. Because you've got to imagine, that's the Israelites' tone here, right? They were comfortable there in slavery. You know, you might be going through something this morning. And God may have promised you, you know God's heard you, but you don't want to hear about God's perfect plan because you're fed up with it because you've you've heard it and heard it and heard it and you're not seeing anything happen. And you're like, God, if I'm going to sit here in this, I might as well go back to what I was doing because it was so much better than where I am now. Again, your perspective, what are you looking at? You're just focused on your story. You see, as bleak and as Messed up as it was, to turn around and look at the dust and know that the Egyptians are coming. Just imagine for a minute what happened as soon as Moses' staff at that water and everything just parked, right? You're sitting there going, What? Like, your focus is here on a dust covered army that's headed your way. And everybody's like going, turn around, turn around, turn around. We're moving. Like, we're we're moving? How are we moving? We're stuck at the Red Sea. And then you turn around and see that there's dry land and there's walls of water on either side of you. Okay, we're moving. Let's go. All right, just get across. You see, in that moment... In the bleakest moment they had, in the moment that they're telling Moses, we want to turn around and go back and go back to slavery and go back to bondage, God delivered. You see, some of them weren't even paying attention to it because they weren't looking at what, forward at what God was doing. They were looking behind them at what was coming. They were too caught up in what was headed their way to, look, to be able to see that God had provided a way for them. God delivers. Verse 28 there of 14. It says, The waters returned. Just imagine this. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. Verse 30, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in their servant Moses. From chapter 4, verse 31, to 14, verse 31. The Israelite story was all screwed up. It was all messed up. It was bleak. But you look right here, and just imagine, again, imagine for a minute. Millions of people, livestock, all that you have, all your belongings. You're standing on dry ground. You're looking back at what was a dusty army coming at you, and now they're, as the Bible says, the Egyptians are being lapped up on the shore. Dead Egyptians. Like you realize, wait a minute, like pieces of chariot are coming up. Like there's horses, camels. And you realize we're on dry ground. Like we've been delivered. You see, in that moment, they realized when God promised something, he delivered. You see, they they weren't looking down anymore. You see, that's, that's the thing for us this morning. Yeah, I tell you all that and that story of the Israelites and we look at their perspective to ask you about your perspective. You see, the whole time they're going through it, where's is the Israelites' eyes? They're looking down at their story. They're complaining about what they're going through. They're watching God do things that, that doesn't make sense. And they're asking questions and eventually they get fed up and they say, we want to go back. You see, I don't know where you are this morning, but just like I asked the question before, there's some of us that are going through some things this morning. And I know just as good as as anybody else that if you aren't careful, you'll sit there and wallow in whatever it is you're going through and your eyes will be down and you'll be focused on whatever it is that you're going through. But what happens just for a moment when we look up? What happens when we look out out of our story? What happens when we look out of our story and just for a moment look up to God's story? See, again, I told you at the beginning, we had this opportunity, this wonderful opportunity to be able to see everything that happened to the Israelites, right? We can stand there on the shore and look back and know you guys were going to be delivered. We knew what God was going to do. You see, we have this opportunity to be able to see their story and see how they fit into God's story. See, that's the great thing about you this morning. You fit into God's story. Uh, Your story is not some some independent film that's put on the shelf that nobody's going to watch or look at. No, your movie that you're making this morning, your story that you're going through is part of God's story. Like you're going through what you're going through this morning because of God. God. Wait a minute. You're really going to tell me that I'm going through what I'm going through, like the hardship that I'm going through, this that I'm going like it's because of God? Yes. Because if you will allow Him, if you'll look up and out of your situation and look up to God, you'll realize that it's for His glory. And that He's writing your story and that you're going through your story so that He gets glorified. So that when you stand on the other side of it, you're standing there on dry ground going, there's no way I could have done it, but God, you did it. Because God, this is all about you. Yes, what happened was horrible. Yes, what happened stunk. I don't want to go through it ever again, but I can stand here on the other side of it and look back and go, God, I can see where you carried me through every." place, through every hardship, through every part of it. I see where you picked me up and you moved me along. And, and, and I'm standing here today, not because of my own thing that I did, because I didn't get me out of it, but because God, you got me out of it. And see, the, the thing about it is this morning, and this is what I love. The Israelites, okay, their hope was in a God that, that hey, they were following a pillar of, of, of a cloud and a pillar of fire, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're like following. We don't even know what this is, but we're following it because Moses is going and we're following Moses. Hey, can I tell you something this morning? He has delivered you. You know how I know this? Because Jesus died on a cross for you. His blood was shed for you. You see, I don't care where you are in your story. I don't care where you are in your story. You may be at that point where you're looking at God and going, I just want to go back because it's comfortable. The pain, the heartbreak, the sin was comfortable. I just want to go back. And God says, why? I've already delivered you out of it. Imagine that for the moment if you're the Israelites and the Red Sea has parted and you're standing there and you're going, "Eh, do I want to cross over on dry ground or do I want to go back? Food was good back there. And I'm not going to be in slavery over here. Hmm, I don't know. I mean, come on, right? Who does that? We do that. We will stand here and we'll go, you know, God, I don't want to confess my sin. God, I don't want to have to talk to that person to try to reconcile that relationship. God, I don't want to have to deal with the pain that I went through because I could just wallow in the shame and the guilt and the pain over here and I'm comfortable to be there. I can hide it real good, God, you you don't even know. I can walk on Sunday morning and have a smile on my face and go, yeah, I'm doing good and in the inside I'm falling apart. That's not what God wants. God wants you to understand that in your story, you've already been delivered. Like, we can stand there. I know, I know you, you're, you may be thinking right now, you're like, Lee, you're crazy because you're not in my story. You don't know what I'm going through. Yeah, I, I know that. But I know a God who loves you enough that He sent His Son to die on a cross for your sins so that He could save you, that He loves you enough that He wants to, to empathize with you, that He wants to hold you, that He wants to be there in your pain, that He wants to understand your heart. Listen, I, I got a friend of mine right now who's mad at God because his wife and his daughter are no longer with us. I don't have any words to, to say to him. But I understand that that's part of God's story. I don't, I mean, I wish I could say something different. You know, I wish I could come down and say something to him and be like, hey, it's like God's told me this and it's going to be that. No, I don't know. But I do know that that's part of God's story. That's part of God's perfect plan. And yeah, I, I, I can't imagine, like I'd probably be mad at God too. But I also know that God is going to deliver him through it. You see, there's nothing this morning that you're going through that God won't deliver you through. You see, that's what we got to be careful of this morning. Where's your perspective? What are you looking at this morning? Where, are your, where, are your, where is your focus this morning? Because so much of it can be tied up into what's going on in our own life that we miss out on what God's doing. That we that we just we 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 struggle to find peace in it. That we struggle to find hope in it. That we struggle to find rest in it. And God's like, no, nah, I don't want you to find rest in that. I don't want you to find rest in me. Like I've already got you out of it. And there are some of us this morning. I'm I'm going to be honest with you. You're probably going to ask God, okay, then God, then why don't you do some supernatural miracle and get me out of it? I wish I knew the answer to that. Trust me, I'm, I mean, I'm going through some things in my life right now that I'm like, God, you can fix this, right? You are God. Like, I've seen what you can do. Like, I've seen miracles happen. You can fix this. You can get me out of this. And he's like, Yeah, but you need to go through it. That doesn't make any sense. God, what you're saying doesn't make any sense. And then you're standing there on dry ground, looking back on it. You see, what God put the Israelites through was so much bigger than the Israelites. What God did was to show the world that he was God, was to foreshadow. Go back and think about the Passover for a minute. He foreshadowed his son coming into the world to die for the sins of every single person that would ever exist. He did that through the Israelites pain. And again, if we focus on our story, we're going to miss out on what God is doing. When we focus on our story and we sit there in our pain, we're going to miss what God is doing. You see, some of you this morning may be going through what you're going through because God wants you to be a testimony for somebody else. I shared. I've shared this story thousands of times. You know, when when Bradley was younger, he had heart surgery. I won't go through all the details, but it was amazing. A few years after all that had happened, and we had come to terms with it, and we had learned to live with it. And, and you know, we can. You know, we're. You know, we love our cardiologists. I mean, you. Most of you have never seen a pediatric cardiologist, but we see ours every year. And he's a ref for MMA fighters. And he's the kind of guy who does not look like he'd do that. He's amazing. Love Dr. Lucas. But we get to go see him every year. And one of those years, we we saw him and we put a post out on Facebook that, hey, everything's good. God is still working miracles. This is awesome. Bradley's heart is like nothing ever happened, which is amazing to consider that he had heart surgery when he was nine weeks old that a doctor actually went in there and cut a piece of his heart out and then put it back together, it just blows my mind away. But we posted something on Facebook a few years after that. And a friend of a friend of a friend, their, kid, their, their son was going through it. Same exact thing. And they were lost. They had no idea what was going on. They had no idea what was happening. And somebody reached out to us and was like, hey, isn't that the same thing that happened to Bradley? And we were like, yeah. And I got a phone call. Somebody gave this guy my number and we ended up talking on the phone for like four hours. Just, I remember that phone call vividly that it was just like, and God did this, and God did this, and God did this, and God did this. And I was able to sit there as tears were streaming down my face, just telling him, listen, it's going to be okay. I don't know the outcome of your son, and I don't know what God's going to do there, but I'm going to tell you what God did in our case. God, We saw miracles happen that week, and God did this, and God did this, and I was just pouring out my testimony of what he did. Listen, I remember being in a hotel room that week of surgery and wanting to just, I mean, I wanted to smack God in the face. I was so mad at him. But I never if, I, if, you know, if God would have taken him out and said, look, fine, 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 I'll take it all away. I'll give you back your son. Go on your merry way. I never would have had that moment with that guy where I was telling him, this is what God did for our family. See, some of you are going through something this morning and it's hard and it hurts and you just want it to end. And let me tell you something. You're going to be a testimony for somebody one day, whether you know it or not. Why would you want to take that away from God? God is working in your life, I promise you. God is going to deliver you, I promise you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much. God, for this ability, uh, just, just to be able to come and worship you this morning. But God, I pray this morning, more than anything else, that God, there's somebody in here this morning that, that, that's going through something. Something. God, they're sitting here right now as I speak and as you pierce through their heart, Holy Spirit, God, I know that they're dealing with something that's more than they can handle, that is so hard and they don't have answers to everything and they don't understand what's going on, but God, you do. And God, you see the other side of their story. You know where they're headed and you know why they're headed that way. God, it's because you're telling a bigger story than any of us in here. And Father, we want to be a part of that story. So help us this morning to look out of our perspective, of our situation, of our circumstance, and look up to you. And understand that, yes, it's painful, but God, just as you've shared with us over the last few weeks from Peter, we're going to go through some suffering. There's going to be present suffering, but God, you are our living hope. Father, we praise you this morning for that. Father, as we worship you, just pierce our hearts this morning. In your holy name we pray. Amen. have any questions about the topic of this sermon, or if you would like someone to follow up with you about applying this to your life, please reach out to us at info at doxaupstate.church. You are loved.